Welcome to Masters of Self University Podcast, your highest source of sacred truths and universal wisdom. Hello, beautiful souls. I'm Rachel Fiore, mystic, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and founder of Masters of Self University. Join our journey of soul transformation as we deep dive into this latest episode. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to Masters of Self University podcast. I have a very special guest, um, the host of Real Men, Real Talk Live, and my very special friend who I have grown to love very, very much, Mr. Jay Rothman. Hello, Jay. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for having me and and, uh, inviting me into your program today. I'm excited to be here, share some of my story with you. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. So our episode that we're going to dive into today, our topic is called Overcoming Obstacles. And um, Jay has some really special things that I'm so excited for him to share with our listeners today about overcoming obstacles. Let's face it, in life, the human experience is about overcoming obstacles. I mean, that's just part of the human experience. And everybody has their own life experiences, their own obstacles to overcome, what that means for them, the lessons that are hidden in those obstacles we're going to dive into. But before we really talk about um, a massive, I think a major obstacle that you have been a champion of in your own life, Jay, I want to first talk about way back in, in 2015, you had a massive shift you had a big shift, a very big change in your life. So can you tell us your health, what your life experience was, where you were at in your level of growth or lack thereof back in 2015? Let's start there. Ooh, wow. Yeah. So uh, back in 15, I, um, I had some medical conditions that, that uh, reared its, uh, its head in my life. And, um, about six years earlier, I, I was 48 and had a heart attack and I followed, you know, the, I followed the Western medicines, uh, uh, GPS roadmap to health. And for me, um, that was, you know, at that time it was about lose weight, join a gym, lose 40 pounds, join a gym, quit the pack a day smokes and change your, your toxic, uh, fast food, fast food junkie diet to uh, Mediterranean and you'll be good to go. And I did that for a couple of years really well, but then life got, you know, insanely crazy in, in my role as a vice president of a company in Long Beach, California, life uh, got very stressful at home. And I, I basically abandoned those few uh, suggestions by my cardiologist at the time. So fast forward, 15 shows up and October of 15, just over uh, seven years ago. And I ended up with some significant health issues. The first and foremost, the one that uh, had me literally hours from death was uh, they diagnosed me with a rare blood clotting disorder mm. that um, had blood clots. Uh, they determined I had uh, blood clots um, in my RCA for my heart. I had uh, my left iliac and my left leg was 90% blocked. My right was 99% blocked. My aorta was 29% blocked. And this is just one condition, uh, one of nine. And so wow. but this particular one, 
Um, they were able to save my left iliac. They put a stent in my right. They couldn't save. So they um, kept that blocked and entered and in, in, in put in a what's called a fem-to-fem bypass in my lower abdomen for my right leg. So I'd still have an artery flowing blood down on my toes. And uh, at that time, I, I was in a hospital for a week and I began to have what some refer to as a spiritual awakening. Up until that moment, I had left my faith when I was 14. I was a very self-willed, self-controlled businessman, uh, husband, father. And, um, and, but at this moment in time in a hospital, I started to get these messages come through to me as I lay there in significant pain, emotional pain, as well as physical pain from significant work that they did to save my life. And in that moment, I knew that two things that I want to share. One was that I knew I had less than a year to live. If wow. I went home and I didn't change every aspect of my life, every choice that I made as a, as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a sibling, as a friend, as a brother, as a employer and as an employee, I knew that I had less than a year to live. And the other thing that hit me strong in a hospital was that I knew the man I had become. And I hated every aspect of who I had become. Wow. But in that moment, Rachel, I also knew that I, I had lost myself and I had no idea who I was at the core of myself, at my, what we call the heart or the soul level. And so the next download that I got was that if I wanted to live and not just survive, but if I wanted to thrive in my life, I had to be willing to... Uh, metaphorically die. Beautiful. So I was going to say. So I could rebirth myself. Yes. And so began the healing journey. So that's what, that's what happened in 15. When I left the hospital, I made a very, very conscious, difficult decision to leave, uh, exit out of a 30 year marriage. And, um, I knew that I also needed to, um, exit out of uh, my corporate career that had spanned at that point about 40 years, um, had reached the pinnacle of my career as senior vice president role, C incredible success in business, but my life was out of control. My health was out of control. My relationships were wounded. Wow. They were damaged. And the most important relationship that was wounded and damaged was the one with myself. And so began a healing journey. And for me, the journey was the journey of coming home coming home to myself beautiful to return, to return to love the love that i don't know that i ever had experienced even as a child i don't know that i um ever really knew what self-love could look like and as a man especially as a an adult male forget about it as they say back in new york forget about it there yeah. was things just didn't exist in my life yeah and so began the healing journey and uh yeah, that's, that's how it all began. I love this. Thank you for sharing that. I want to dissect this a little bit Go for ahead. those listening. You've shared so many amazing, important things that I want to point out. And the first, you realized in your awakening, you had this epiphany that every aspect of who you had become needed to die. Yes. That you, so... This is the death rebirth process that we talk mm -hmm. about in spirituality. This is the old you, my personality, who I think I am, who I have become, who I show up as 
in my relationships in this world as a human, as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a business person, I want to point something out because Jay shared he was incredibly successful in business and yet every other aspect of you was not so much. Yeah. Couldn't be categorized in the level of success. And I think so many men and so many people can relate to that, that they sort of overachieve in business or in finances or whatever. Why? Because it allows them to kind of avoid and ignore the parts of them that they're not so good at or that their shadow self shows up as or that their weaknesses or their wounded self is showing and expressing itself in other areas. I think a lot of men tend to overcompensate when it comes to business success, financial success, because everybody in the world says you're good to go. You're successful. We approve of you, man. We approve of this message because you're a man that makes money. Right. And, yeah. and look at what was happening in every other aspect of you and your life. Life is out of control. I want to share this piece that I don't think I shared with you before, Rachel, but I remember the first time I put on a men's suit. I was just over 20, under 21, and I looked in the mirror. And it was the first time in my life I felt power. I wow. felt powerful. For the first time in my life, I felt okay. Ah. Oh. And for me, that was the gateway. I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to be a, become a businessman because because that for me gave me a false sense, yes, of empowerment. And what I didn't know was that every other aspect of my life was out of control. Yeah. But in that suit, it it I felt strong. I felt invincible. Yeah. I felt like I could achieve whatever I wanted and needed to achieve in my life. Yeah. And and it worked. It worked for many years until it stopped working. Yeah. 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 And that, and this is the epiphany. This is the awakening that people tend to have with, um, I need to wake up to something bigger, more elevated. And I, before we go into it, I want to make very clear to our listeners, it doesn't mean that we're going to talk about what Jay does now. Okay. But before we do, it doesn't mean you cannot continue to be a successful business person. Some people change careers. Some people have that motivation that I don't want to be a part of this world anymore. I want to go do something else. But I don't want people listening to this to also think that you cannot be successful. You cannot be wealthy, for example, in business or in finance or in whatever. You cannot, you could never work in the corporate world if you are an awakened, healed person. Because I think a lot of people that that start to awaken, they go down a spiritual path and they think they can't do those things anymore. For some people, you're not going to want to do those things anymore. For other people, it will enhance those things in your life if you heal every other aspect of you. So I want to say that first before we continue, because a lot of people get confused with that. So you hated the man that you had become. You just you ended your 30-year marriage. You decided to pursue a different way of being. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? What were your first steps? How ah. did you first step yeah. onto this path? Yeah, I, I call them the five C's and um, the four A's. And this all came to me still in a hospital. Oh, uh, interesting. The, the five C's, the first one was that it took courage. The second C was commitment. The third C is consistency. Mm. The fourth C is compassion of self, compassion for self. Because I knew that if I, if I just went down that rabbit hole of just beating myself up and seeing all the things that had um, 
unraveled in my personal life. And, and if I just lived in that, it could easily have taken me out into guilt, shame, of course, mm -hmm. blame, blame of yep. others. Yep. Uh, but in the end, I, I knew then that it wasn't about the other people. It wasn't about anybody but myself. And through those four C's, as I said, the last one was compassion of self. It brings you to clarity. Yeah. And then as far as the A's go, the first day was awareness. If Love I didn't it. have my awakening in a hospital and I wasn't aware, I would have gone home doing what I had been doing for 54 years of my life, which was sleepwalking through my life. And yeah. so instead, I, I, had the, I had the awareness. The, the second A was um, acceptance. Mm. Acceptance that my life trajectory had brought me to this point. And now it was do or die. And of course, the, the third A, it was awareness is acceptance. Um, I'm having a mind blank on the next a it'll come back to me when it does it'll i'll bring it back out there but Perfect. um yeah it 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 was a beautiful process and what i realized uh, about three months after i left the hospital i knew that my time in corporate america was pretty much on the back end but i also was going through a, a massive grieving process and i was i had really never done that as an adult male believe it or not i really never had done it, at least in a healthy way and I found myself literally starting to cry every day mm. as I was living in Huntington Beach, California, alone on shoreline, doing a lot of healing work. And at, at first I realized that what I was grieving was, was the death of a marriage. Yeah. Even though it was my choice to exit out, yeah. it, it was a lot of pain. It was a lot of sadness. It was a lot of um, awarenesses that I hadn't had before. And... Through that process, such as awareness, such as because you've mentioned one of the A's, and I I teach people in our in our coaching programs at Master Self University. Number one, first and foremost, most critical thing that we have to increase within ourselves is self awareness, self awareness, self awareness. You cannot heal without self awareness. So when you had when you were grieving, and you had awareness, you were increasing your level of self-awareness. Give us an example of what you were becoming aware of about yourself yeah, within yourself. That's a brilliant question. And I'll tell you what it was, is that for years, I, it was easy for me to blame my partner for all of my unhappiness or mm -hmm. issues that were going on. And I realized that although, you know, it, it, she, she had her own baggage. She had her sure. own stuff that she was dealing with. But I realized that my issues were really less about her and all about me. Beautiful. And I realized that if I wanted to live, I had to be willing to really own 100% of my part. And this is an interesting concept because my mom was still alive. And mom, I love you. But mm -hmm. she never understood when I was like, mom, I'm 100% accountable for my marriage breakup. And she said, but you know, but what about the other 50%? Sure. What about, your, what about your, your wife? Why are you taking the hundred percent responsibility? I, and I said, and I'll say it here is that I'm taking a hundred percent accountability for my part. Now what she, if she chooses to take 50 or just, it's just a number anyway. Yeah. But in the end of the, at the end of the day, I was, I was finally ready to own a hundred percent of my choices and how I showed up and how I didn't show up and how I and how the things I said and did were harmful 
in the marriage, but also harmful to myself. And Beautiful. so for me, that, that was, that was what it was about. It was me, it was about me finally showing up and growing up uh-huh. and taking hundred percent accountability. And through that process, when I really realized that I was grieving the death of a relationship, that once I had that awareness, that was beautiful because then I gave myself permission to feel the pain. That uh, came there you go. The breakup. There you go. And then, and then, um, unfortunately, about three months later, my dad transitioned, which was the mm-hmm. first time I experienced the death of a, a relative close to me. And so now I'm grieving the death of my father. And then I realized about a month later, there was a third death that I was grieving, the death of self, the death of me. And, and through that process, you know, I, I learned how to grieve in a really healthy, loving way. And it, 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 even though it was simple, not easy, as you've heard me say many times in Real Men Real Talk Live, it was so great. It was so great because I got to purge. I got to release. I got to let go of things that, that hadn't served me for years, but I was afraid to let go of as a man. Beautiful. And so, yeah, so that, that's kind of how it played out. And it was a, a beautiful journey of the journey of coming home to return to love. To return to love. Where did you realize and how did you realize you were not loving yourself? By every, choice, is- by every choice I had made. Ah, uh, by every choice that I had made. I love that answer. Let's elaborate on this because here's one of the biggest things that I find with people. We live in a world where we throw around the word love a lot. Mm-hmm. We talk about self-love a lot. Love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. Now, I always, in, in my teachings and what I offer people, I always tell them, you have to forget what you've learned about love. You have to realize love is not a feeling. It is a way of being. Yep. Love is a way of being. And so when we talk about like self-love, a lot of times people talk about self-care mm-hmm. and that means love. And I'm here to offer something very different. If you're willing to do self-care, it's because of the love you have for yourself that you're willing to do self-care. That's but, interesting. Yeah. The self-love is... I am worth the self-care. I am worth setting the boundary, for example. I am worth, I love myself enough to say no. I love myself enough to say yes, to receive. I love myself enough to carry out some action that is loving and the action arises out of the love that we are. That is my definition, how I teach what love is. So when you started to realize through every choice you made, you were not in love with yourself. Give us an example of one or two choices that showed you didn't love yourself. And then how did you transform that? What okay. changed? Well, back in 15 now, you remember I told you the doc said lose 40 pounds. Yeah. Well, I had lost the 40, of course. But then when life spiraled uh, two years later, leading up to 15, I put the 40 back on, of course. Plus, I added another 20 for bonus. So now I'm 60 pounds overweight. Now I am legally obese. My 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 waist was pushing 43. And I packed uh, I smoked a pack of cigs a day. Mm. Um, I was in a restaurant industry for 40 years on supply chain management side. So I got hooked on the the, the most toxic fast food. I was a fast food junkie. Um, I was massively codependent in my relationships. Um, I, I had an addiction to sex. I had a, a, 
I, I developed many addictions, five addictions that included food, work, right? Sex, yes. codependency, and cigarettes. And at, notice none of those included alcohol and drugs. You don't need to be an addict to, to just be, you know, to, 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 to you don't Absolutely. have to be, be drinking alcohol and abusing it or, or drugs. Those were not my choices, but coming back to your question, it's interesting because for me, my gateway to self, to, to self-love actually was through self-care. Mm, the self-care I'm talking about was something I never gave myself permission time for because I didn't think I had time. So while I was on medical leave, I started to practice showing up for myself in a way I never had. And the part of myself that we, you talked about, you mentioned love. The part of myself that I had abandoned was that beautiful little boy inside. Yeah. You know? And for me, the journey of coming home was coming back home to that little boy who I thought grew up with me or died when I became an adult. Mm -hmm. And I never understood that when I would be having temper tantrums, meltdowns, when I get frustrated, irritable, discontent. That was, that was little JJ. That was a little boy within me. Yeah. So for me, the journey of coming home was coming back home to, to learn how to have a relationship with a part of myself that I turned my back on when I became the adult. But I was still waiting for my parents to show up for him and love him in a way that it really wasn't their role anymore. It wasn't their job. It, was, it became my responsibility to check in with him every day, to even learn how to talk to him. Some people think you're crazy when you learn, you know, when you talk to yourself, I encourage part of my principles that I teach in my, in my coaching world is, is learning how to talk to that little boy, a little girl with them, have a relationship with them. And for me, the self-care got me there. Self-care for me was learning how to change my relationship with food. Big one. Mm, yep. Learning how to change, you know, learning how to change my relationship with exercise. Cause I didn't like exercise. Mm. I, I didn't want to go back to the gym this time around. I was like, no, I'm not going to go into a, into a building with a bunch of other people that are in pain and fluorescent lights, uh, simulated lighting. I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to be outdoors. Now, I had no idea how, I, how that came to me other than that was another download or a moment that, that one of those epiphanies <clears throat> that happened even in the hospital was like, this time I got to do everything different. I got to make every choice moving forward has got to be different than what I thought I needed to do. And here's another download that happened for me was that everything that I thought was the truth in my life in the hospital, I realized was a lie. Oh, I like that. And everything that I thought was a lie ended up being the truth. Oh, I love that. Give us an example. Well, really what I'm talking about is my relationship with my belief systems that, that I, that I was, taught that I was educated on as a child and at home, at school, at church, or temple, love it. at a playground, it, it, reading anywhere, anywhere where my belief systems were so ingrained in me, I was willing to die for my belief systems. And part of this healing journey was when I realized was that they weren't even mine. Yeah, I inherited them from my ancestors. Yes. And I realized like part of coming home to myself was really like saying, maybe I want to, in some spiritual way, give them back to my ancestors, give them all back to my ancestors. And that's what I did. I gave them all back. And for about a year, 
every time somebody would ask me a question, somebody of relevance in my life, mm -hmm. I would answer it the same way. I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, I like that. I think that, I think that is surrender right there. Yes, 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 yes. To be able to say, I don't know, instead of have to come up with some answer, like, you know, right. it all. Yeah. is such a beautiful signal of growth yeah. that we can pause, we can breathe, we can feel inside. Yeah. And if there is an answer, they're beautiful. And if there isn't, it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't and, then, know. and then sometimes I catch myself and I would respond. And then I catch myself in that moment. I tell myself by saying, you know what? It's just my story. Yeah, it I may or may not even be true. It's just what I heard or what I think yep. is the fact, but it may not be. It's just what I was taught. Yep. So I learned how to do that. And eventually I surrendered my old belief systems. And part of the journey for me was of, of coming home was about really learning what is important in my life. The things that mattered don't matter to me today. Mm. The things that didn't matter only matter to me today. Oh, like what? Give us an example. Something that didn't matter before, but now, right here, right now, I've awakened enough, I've healed enough, I've elevated enough that I value this now. Connecting with people. Oh, good one. Interesting. And that's after first connecting with myself. So for me, for example, two hours ago, I packed a bag and I went out into the wilderness. Because I knew that you and I were going to be together today. And that was, that was, that was how I connect with self and connect with divine source mm -hmm. and even connect with the little boy within. We had, a little, we had a little play date today, just me, myself, and I and divine source. And I went out there so that I could listen to the type of music that, that feeds and fuels my soul so that I can connect in, in a wilderness with land, Mother Gaia, and then be ready to be here and be present and you know, be who I am today. And there's a, there's a classic example. That's a form of self-care for me. Yeah, I love of, that. Uh, of being in the wilderness. I don't call it exercise today. Even my meditations, you know, we're taught by so many great teachers of meditation, how to sit in silence and quiet. And my meditation is in movement. My meditation is when I'm in the wilderness by myself. Yep. That's my form of meditation that works really well for me. That's how I find balance within. That's how I connect. So beautiful. So I want to I want to point a few things out. So you've mentioned several things so far that I am now going to bring to the surface and highlight. And this is, as many listeners know, I teach about the universal ways of oneness. If you want to read about the universal ways of oneness, you can go to Amazon, purchase Mason's Way, the 20 Universal Ways of Oneness. Um, but Jay, as he's been sharing, I want to point these out. he mentioned the way of surrender, being able to surrender to what is being able to be in full presence. He talked about presence, even without saying the word necessarily being in nature, being in presence with source, with his inner child who needs love, attention, validation. Um, he mentioned connection, the way of connection. And the way of connection is when we connect first and foremost to our higher soul, to our divine selves, to the universe, to source. However you want to think about it is perfect. Whatever you want to call that energy or that level of consciousness. But he connects to that before then 
and he also mentioned connecting to other people. It used to be um, something that wasn't that important to him, but the way of connection he's mentioning as he's describing his experience in shifting, transformation, awakening, he's mentioning the universal ways of oneness. He mentioned the way of responsibility. That's the first way of oneness. And that is being responsible for me that although my, my ex partner, my ex spouse, of course, had her programs, her wounds that she brought into the relationship, but we waste our time pointing the fingers and blaming. Instead, we learn true, authentic, awakening, healing, elevating ourselves to a more divine being is taking 100% responsibility for how I showed up. No matter how the other person showed up, how did I show up in that relationship? How do I show up in my life? That is the way of responsibility. And then you also mentioned having compassion. So the, the seventh way of oneness is the way of compassion universal way of oneness, oneness consciousness is having compassion for self, our wounds, our programs, our brokenness, the ways that we've shown up in unhealthy, ugly ways, but having compassion for that instead of judgment, blame, and shame. So you've done, you've just expressed so much elevation and growth. Fast forward a little bit. Yep. What is different in the way that you interact with people in the way that you carry out business. And we're going to talk a little bit about what you do as a coach today, but we'll get there. Um, how do you show up differently? What's so different about it? Cause I'm going to guess it's drastically different, but what yeah. makes it different today yeah. in your interactions with other people, with me, with anybody in the world and the way you show up in whatever aspect of your life, what is so different now compared to before you've shifted, awakened and healed? That's a beautiful question, and thank you for asking that of me. Um, it's about connecting at the soul for me. I was always in my head. It was always about the next deal. It was always about the next sale. It was always about the next recruit. It was always about achieving something in life mm. and today it, I, I don't i don't have a priority in my life to achieve things in business today my my number one intention in my life today is to connect with people at the soul level so i'm referring okay. to it at the heart space because i lived in my head space mm -hmm. and and it ran its course and it didn't serve me. It didn't serve my relationships. And today, my, I love nothing more than connecting with people, like having a spontaneous connection where energetically you're aligned. You feel, you feel this, like almost like this kinship, like you know them for a long time. Yes. And you may have just met somewhere in a community or even in nature. I meet a lot of people on the trails. Um, and I'm, I always engage and uh, I put in the effort. But I think that's the biggest thing for me is like, I, I, I'm less interested in, in hearing about your successes in life. Uh -huh. I'm more interested in learning more about who you are, not who you've become. But I love who you this. Are. I love this. I love this. And achieving, you're not focused on achieving. And one of the things that I say, and I'm going to throw this out there to people is, Achieving instead of becoming, meaning becoming the most magnificent, powerful, 
version mm -hmm. of ourselves that we can become. Because I think we do it upside down and backwards. Yeah. We learn in our society, in our world, that you're successful and you're wonderful and you will be happy if you achieve A, B, C, and D. And of course, number one is always financially, right? Because that gives us some freedom. But we're not, if, even if you're successful in those ways, achieving, 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 instead of becoming the most magnificent version of you, how can you become a more self-empowered version of you? How can you become a more loving version of you, a more divine version of yourself? Because when you become the highest, most magnificent version of you that you can become in a lifetime versus achieving status and things, my experience and my wisdom tells me that the, the achievements, the success that we define in our, in our culture, in our society, that just comes, that just kind of flows to you as it will. When you become, you are more of a selfless person focusing on what it is that you have to offer versus what you can get from people. There you go. There you go. Love and, that. And that right there, I want, I'm going to ask you about your experience in that, Jay, is, is what are your experiences now that, cause I, I know you personally now, and what is your experience with when you show up as this beautiful present human being who can offer things to people versus focusing his interactions with others on what he can get from them, whether it's relationship, money, business, doesn't matter. What are right. your experiences that can you speak to that? Yeah, it's a, it, it, yeah, of course. And, and I, and I know you're going to relate to this is because so many people in the mental health business um, or, you know, in, in the business that we're in, which is mental health for sure. Yep. Um, we, we walk around talking about like we're in a business of helping people and I'm not in a business to help anybody. Mm. The business that I'm in is the business of inspiring people and bringing hope to their life. And for me, the acronym for hope is healing our perspective every day because it was my perspective that was wounded. It was my, my perspective that was wounded due to my, you know, some of my childhood traumas, wounds, pivotal moments, experiences, whether it was at home, whether it was at temple, whether it was at school or on a playground, I, I had a whole, you know, I had a pretty full packed piece of luggage with that. And so today I'm not in a business to help anybody. I can't help anybody. I'm not powerful enough and I'm barely powerful enough to inspire people. But that is ultimately what my role is, is a facilitator is to share stories is to listen to uh, my clients as well, mm -hmm. and and then ask those leading questions that can help guide me to the the pockets or the wounds that that they are either avoiding, they haven't dealt with, or they're not even aware because it's yeah. at the subconscious level. Exactly the stuff in their blind spots. So let's talk a little bit about that because what do you do now today? What is your role? What do you do as a profession now? For those who may not know. Um, as you could see, I say mindset coach, uh, it changes by the hour. Sometimes I'll just <laughs> as a transformational coach and sometimes I'm just a coach, but at the end of the day, uh, it really is, it really is, is about part of what I do is share parts of my story, um, that bring some hope to other people that it's possible, whether it be on the relationship side, whether it be on the business side, finding a passion in life and letting that be your truth, letting that be your guide, whether it be your relationship with health and wellness, which is a massive one, especially coming out of COVID, looking at 
how uh, just being a more of a conscious observer in my life today, which is a big part of the principles that I share as well, is becoming more of a conscious observer and paying attention to how people are treating themselves. Mm-hmm. What and 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 we are becoming, I believe, we are we are going in the wrong direction as far as health and wellness goes. We are leaning heavily into self-destructive um, behaviors and choices to to bring comfort and. That's what nearly killed me. So mm. I'm not a big advocate of that at all. I'm an advocate of tapping into a part of yourself that you may not even be aware of you have within. You see, we grow, we grew yes. up in a, in a country where you've heard this term, knowledge is power. And so we go to the next retreat, we read the next book, we take the next course, we take the next, we listen to the next podcast. We, we go to the, we go to the, we go to the next, 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 next thing, thinking yeah. that. We're gonna get the we're gonna get the knowledge, and with the knowledge, we're gonna have what we need. Yeah. Then, we, then we integrate. We go back home. We integrate back into our routines, into our schedules, and within a month, all that we left enthusiastic about and excited about is pretty much gone. And until we I, start for the next retreat and the next thing. And so here's the challenge that that I have with knowledge is power. It's not enough. Nope, I'm with you, and I love that you said that. When people say that phrase, I always tell them that's a bunch of crap. I'm going to challenge you on that one. Sorry. Knowledge is not power. power. Knowledge is mind clutter. Knowledge is so mind clutter. So what is what is at the higher level that knowledge is power is the fourth A. So I said I'll come back to the four A's. The first A is awareness. The second A is acceptance. The third A is accountability. Yes. It's time to show up and grow up, people. It's time to take your life back. And then the fourth A is action. Yeah, action. When we come out with all this new knowledge that we think is going to change our life, and it doesn't because we haven't taken the action step. Action integrated. The superpower within is waiting for us to show up. Yes. When we tap into changing, making changes, I call them non-negotiables, daily non-negotiables, changes that that or you know we call I call it non-negotiables. You could call it uh, spiritual practices. You could call it rituals. But taking action steps that you hadn't taken before to learn how to take care of yourself, to learn how to love yourself and experience that, for me, that's when you begin to tap into superpowers. And so I definitely hope that we could take some time today to to share one of the most incredible stories around how I I tapped in my superpowers um, just in the last couple of years that I had no idea was even possible. I would love to hear that. And I want to add very quickly that I've mentioned already what I teach is knowledge is mind clutter. Hmm. And a lot of people have learned over the years, especially the last couple of decades, they gain a bunch of knowledge. They get a bunch of stuff that they regurgitate in order to sound like they know what they're talking about instead of take slowing down, taking the time to integrate what it is that you are consuming. If you actually put it into practice and you go to a retreat, you learn from a coach, you learn from a teacher, for example, you have a guide, a professional to help you, you integrate that, then that knowledge actually integrated becomes wisdom you now have wisdom because you've become what you were learning about. Becoming what you were learning about is what wisdom is. Wisdom is power. Wisdom is power. Wisdom doesn't reside up in here. It does not come from mind. It comes from the heart or the yep. soul. It comes and from that, heart and soul. And that really is, is really 
the sweet spot. That's where we want to spend more of our time during our day, during our, during our awakening hours, tapping yeah. into our heart of soul. Yes. That's where our birthright, which is our greatest inheritance, is wisdom within. You know, when we were kids and they said to you, trust your gut, and you took the test and you didn't trust your gut and you you changed the answer, which was the first yeah. answer. <laughs> and of course, the first answer was the right answer. That was the gut answer. That trusting <laughs> your gut was the wisdom. Yes. And then somehow, exactly. some way, we lose contact with that in our adulthood. And now we're just trying to control our outcomes yes. rather than pause, tap into the inner wisdom, and we have all our answers. Yeah. And now how, how I determine the difference between, let's say, a wisdom hit and an egoic hit, mm-hmm. listen carefully, listen carefully, people. <laughs> this is how I do it. If, 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 if something passes through me, a thought or an idea... And there's any, there's any static around it. In other words, I'm not sure. Wait, wait, is this the right thing to do? If I have any uncertainty, then I absolutely know it's coming from the mind. It's coming from the egoic mind. Yep. When something comes forward for me, a new awareness or a thought, I'm going to call it a thought in this moment, but it really isn't a thought. It, it's something that comes forward that I wasn't in thought about. But it just spontaneously up, arises up, from within. Bubbles up, mm-hmm. bubbles up. In that moment, when I can pause and go, is there any inner conflict around this, or is this an absolute knowing? When I have that absolute knowing, I know then. That's my first hint that it's coming from inner wisdom. And then I don't, I don't have to ponder it. I don't have to debate it internally. I don't have to sit in it or sit with it. Make the checklist of pros and cons that people yep. do. That's when we're trapped in mind. We don't trust. Exactly. We don't trust the universe. We don't trust our higher self giving us the guidance that we need. Mind has to figure it out and know. And actually it just gets in the way. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's the process I take is because I do want to know when something bubbles up for me or comes forward, I always I always take a moment to, to ask myself, I call that a vital check-in. I like check that. my vitals because I want to know, is this coming from my egoic mind yeah. or is it coming from my heart? Yeah. Because if it's coming from my egoic mind, then I want to pause and I don't, I'm not going to act on it because if I'm acting and I'm you, most likely I'm reacting Fantastic. to try to control the outcome. Great self-awareness. I want and here's everybody a beautiful to hear thing that. About, here's the beautiful thing about coming home is that coming home doesn't have to be lonely. See, I I felt lonely a lot in my life. Yeah. And today I don't because I have a relationship with what some refer to as a higher power. Some Mm -hmm. refer to as God. Some refer to as Jesus. I call it a divine source. But I know that at any given moment, if I want to connect with myself, I can. If I want to connect with divine source, I can. And I do. I do on a daily basis. So I don't, I don't, that, that, that right there is oneness. That's an aspect of oneness consciousness, because that is the way of connection is connecting to the consciousness, the universe, the power that is, that we are an extension of, which is why it feels like nurturing, warm, loving, supportive. When we connect to that energy, that people, you, you realize on a deep level, even if you feel lonely at times in life, when you learn and become the way of connection, 
you are not alone and you feel that. You feel the divine support that is always with you, that is invisible, that, that isn't tangible to us while we're here in human form. So that way of connection is priceless because you might go through phases of loneliness. That's part of the human condition. There's nothing wrong with that. It isn't bad to feel lonely. Those are just emotions that we have to learn to embrace, love, honor, alchemize, right? But the way of connection reminds us that even if we feel a little lonely sometimes, I am never alone because I have me, meaning I have my divine me. I have this power that is inside of me and outside of me and in every other thing and being on this planet. How could you possibly be alone? You're never alone. Right. And that doesn't come from mind. It comes from this energetic sensation when you really are the way of connection, when you can connect to that power that is inside and outside and everywhere all at once. Yep. Yep. So yeah. it's magnificent. Yeah. Drop the mic, Rachel. <laughs> yeah i i love the conversation we're having today because it, it really isn't about me it's about all of us i mean yeah. i it, it, my story is is all of our stories you know the, the yeah. name may be different the body style may be different but yeah. we we all we all we all are going to reach a point in our life where we're in pain or we're suffering emotionally yeah. mentally physically spir spiritually and or any of the above or all of the above and yeah. and and then it just comes down to um you know do do we have that moment that defining moment where where the you know i, I call it the hammer wasn't enough when i had that heart attack at 48 it wasn't enough, wasn't enough. I, I needed i needed to get the sledgehammer six years later um and realize that I didn't have that awakening at 48. And, yeah. and, and here's where I take that is that many of us, when we have this awareness that we didn't get the message, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get the lesson. Yep. We go to, you know, we go to uh, regret, we go to resentment, we go to guilt, shame. We could even blame other people for that. Yep. But here's, here's how I embrace it today. I don't live in regret today. I don't live in resentment today. What I, what I choose to live in is that we all have our own soul journey. Yep. And I had to go through six more years of inner pain. There you go. To be that much closer to death, to have my awakening. Yes. And, and that's, that is really even helps me embrace and accept other people that I love dearly and I care dearly, dearly about. And they're not, they're not, they're not like awakening quick enough for me or they're not, yeah. you're not making those changes, whether it be friends, relatives, right? Yep. Children, exactly. whomever, Yeah. you know, relatives, children, of course, family. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I really practice today embracing that each time instead of getting um, impatient with them or frustrated, I go to empathy today. And empathy for me, the gateway is it's reminding myself it's their soul journey. It's their soul journey. And, you know, some people, they, they, don't, they don't have that, that sledgehammer hit them over the head in this lifetime. They suffer to the end. Yeah, very true. And to remember I was once where they were. Yes. I think that's important for all of us to remember. The details might be different. The story will look different. Everybody is in human form. They have their own unique journey, their own unique human experiences. So the details are different, but the bottom line is still the same. 
We have all been that person who was unawakened, who were doing, you know, we were doing unconscious things, just our mental programs, our emotional programs, the stuff in our blind spot and our subconscious were overrunning us, running on autopilot. We had no self-awareness that our reaction to something or a life experience that we were going through was we were running on autopilot in an unconscious way. We had no awareness of it. We were those people to whatever degree, it doesn't matter. We've been there. Yeah. And, and here's, here's a, here's another piece to the, to the peak here to the summit is that I left my faith when I was 14. So I had zero relationship with God or a higher power or source Mm -hmm. zero. And it wasn't until I was in Cedar Sinai medical center in Los Angeles where where that, where everything changed back in October of 15. And, um, you know, some people say uh, I'm probably, it probably was easier for me because I didn't have that adult relationship with a faith or religion because mm-hmm. I had, I had stepped out of it. it, it I, I didn't have a need for it in my life. At least I didn't think I did until um, my awakening. And, mm-hmm. you know, they say, you know, um, some people say like timing is everything in life. And I'm just so grateful that that happened for me because it doesn't happen for everybody. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I want everybody to hear that. Um, There really are people who no matter how much they're suffering, they are not going to wake up in this lifetime. And what that challenges us, who that challenges us to become is somebody that is in the way of surrender in the way of truth to that, in the way of patience, in the way of honoring others for where their soul journey is leading them. There is a reason for it that is more divine and bigger than we can imagine. It's none of our business anyway. Oh, guess what? None of our business. Why someone else might not be awakening. That is none of your business. What it does do is challenge us to become more elevated. That never means superior more elevated, brighter in our light to compensate for the fact that this person in their shadow self, they're not going to awaken and that's okay, but it is up to us to awaken everybody else. And the ones that are awakening to remember you are not just awakened. That is a journey of elevation until the day you leave and transition out of this human form, you're not done. So there's, you go higher and keep going higher. That helps to pull other people up. It also helps the people who are in suffering, who are not going to awaken, to transition with support, compassion, love, peace, non-judgment while they're here and when they leave this planet. Because divine people, that is how they show up. There you go. That is how they show up. And as you've heard me say, simple, not easy. It takes a lot of work for us to have compassion and empathy and patience for those that are stuck, those that are in in some form paralyzed emotionally and mentally paralyzed and not willing or able to break through to break free to inner freedom. Yeah. It's really, that's what we're talking about here. Yes. Um, I, I want to share this story with you that is um, a testimonial to the infinite possibilities that we have to heal, to self heal. Cause this is a huge part of my story. Back in, um, I mentioned that I had a bypass put in my, for my right leg um, back in 15. Well, in 2018, uh, Mary and my partner and I 
came to Arizona for the first time as a couple for a uh, to house sit a friend's house for five weeks. And this was June and July. And during that time, that was when I actually launched my first podcast, Real Men, Real Talk Raw. It was just like what you're doing here with me, a, an interview platform. And we also did 15 hikes in the dead of summer. That was the first time that we did any massive hikes. We did a couple of hikes in Southern Cal leading up to our trip. But the next week, I went back to Cedars for a semi-annual checkup. And the doctor did the uh, check my the stents and the bypasses and all that. And they told me, we have a massive problem with your right leg. Your bypass is 100% blocked or what they say occluded. And I looked at I looked at the doc and I was like, that's impossible. I just came off of 15 hikes in the dead of the, the Phoenix, Arizona summer. You're talking afternoon temps, sometimes up to 115 degrees. And we were out. We were out in the wilderness. And and they said, you're right. Something is not making sense because we found a, a pulse or a blood pressure at your ankle at 70%. And it should be at about wow. 5% right now because you wow. have no arteries left in your right leg. And your bypass is blocked. So we, we can you stay? We want to keep you extra today. We want to do some additional studies to figure out what you have done to your leg. <laughs> I love that. Oh, this is and great. So, and so... <laughs> So, of course, I agreed, and they kept me. And in the testing, the studies they did, they determined that there were two new um, vessels that were not there eight months earlier when they did wow. the Wow. And they said, now they're looking at me, and they're going, what, what, what have you done? How did you do that? Now, what happened eight months earlier was back in 17, Heal Documentary had come out. Kelly oh, yes. Film. yes. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I'd, I'd never heard of before that, because I wasn't in that in this world that we live in today, you yeah. and I, I was introduced to him through the film, through the documentary in Santa Monica, where I saw it. And I learned about his plight, that when he was about mid-20s, he was a triathlon a triathlete, and he got hit by a car, and he was paralyzed. He shattered, he broke six broken vertebrae. And the only solution that Western medicine had for him was to put, uh, do surgery and put in what's called Harrington rods into his spine to straighten out his, his vertebrae. But what would end up happening was they said that you won't be paralyzed anymore because he was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. However, you, you'll have pain for the rest of your life. You're going to live in discomfort. And he said to himself, no, thank you. Yeah. He said that if, if I could prove my own theory that I can create this visual exercise in my mind and I repeat day after day committing to the process of the four A's, right? If I can prove that I can self-heal my six broken vertebrae, I will spend the rest of my life dedicated to this business of health and wellness. And he went home and he, and he shared in, in, in how he did it is he sat in a wheelchair and he just every day kept trying to create this visual exercise in his mind where he would see his, his vertebrae and his spine in total alignment. And it wasn't working. It, he kept failing. And all of a sudden, something shifted through the process over the weeks. And all of a sudden, everything started to come into alignment. And uh, 
By the 10th week, he walked out of his wheelchair. And by the 11th week, he was on a new bike. And then I listened to that and I was like, I need to listen to this again and again and study how he did it. And I didn't meet Joe, Dr. Joe. I just studied how he did it. Yeah. And I decided if he could do it for his vertebrae, I've got to be able to do that for my own blood flow. I've got to be able to create what's called collateral blood flow in my body through healthy choices, through nutrition, through movement, through detaching, cutting the cords to um, toxic people, places, and things in my life and basically coming, bringing my life to a very simplistic form. And that's what I did. And over eight months, right around about the same week where I went for that last test, when I got introduced to Dr. Joe for eight months along the shoreline of Huntington beach, where it was the last home where I was living in California, I did that daily. And that was the only thing that I did differently over that eight month period. Wow. Fast forward. I said to my surgeon, what are my choices right now? And he said, you don't have any except one. You need to have surgery right away to put a new bypass in your leg. Because he said, if you get an infection or you get something, you get you scrape up even a simple scrape can turn into an infection. And then you could get gangrene set in because you don't have normal blood flow going through your leg. Your leg will be amputated. Yep. And, uh, and I said, but wait a minute, doc, you told me you acknowledge that I've, you've acknowledged that I've created two new blood vessels that weren't there eight months earlier. So let me ask you this. If, if I get off my beach cruiser saddle and I start and I move to the mountains and I hike daily, is it possible I could get my blood flow to 80%? Maybe. Can I get it to 90? And he's like, possibly, but it's a long road and we don't have time. You need a new bypass right away. And uh, so I said, I'm going to pause on it, Doc. I'm going to get back to you. I'm now on a 405 freeway. I call my partner, Mary, up, and I say, hey, Mary, remember last week on a drive home, you said to me you were ready to move to Arizona? And I said to you, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can leave where all this healing took place. I don't know that I'll have that same relationship with divine source in the mountains. Like huh. what you see in my backdrop, like yeah. what I had at the ocean floor. I said, remember, you said you were ready, and I said, I'm not. I go, how long do you think it'll... I said, how long will it take to pack? And she said, three weeks. And that's what we did. Wow. And um, that mountain that you see behind me, the the tallest peak there, um, well, the one to the right of me, uh, it's in the background. That's Thunder Mountain. Um, We moved to Arizona. And I never called my vascular surgeon back. I didn't give him my answer. I just... I just made a decision not, not to have surgery. And, um, and that was how long ago? That was in 2018. And Mary then asked me, uh, well, I'm not going to go there in this moment, but um, I continued to, to do my work for myself, on myself. And um, in 2019 or 2018, right after we moved here, she said to me, tell me about that blood thinner you've been on. Are you going to stay on it? And I'm like, he says, because clearly it didn't do what it was supposed to do. You now have blockages in the bypass. You should have gotten 10 years. 
you got less than two and a half years out of that. So why would you stay on this butt thinner that actually has its own set of uh, dangers for you? And I was like, that's going to take some time. She goes, well, you know, you're an advocate of living in faith today, hmm. but you can't live in faith and fear in the same breath and do the work you do and teach what you teach. Yet you're, yet you're going to hold on to this pharmaceutical that has its own set of dangers. And I was like, it's going to take me some time to work through that. And I did just that. It took me about 18 months. But one day I had a nice conversation with Divine Source on the trail by myself. And I, I, I asked him to, to agree with me that when my, when my work is done, that will be done. But I asked that it just not be today or tomorrow or the next year. And uh, I asked him if we had a deal. And he said, yeah, we do. <laughs> I, came home, I came home that day. And I said, Mary, that's it. No more. No more blood thinner. That was no 2019. So that's over three years ago. And where I want to go with this story, what happened was um, in 2020, we woke up one day and Mary and I both had uh, an off day, meaning we didn't have bookings for our businesses. And mm. I said, what would you like to do today? Let's have a play day. And she said, I want to, I want to hike to the top of Thunder Mountain, which is the third highest mountain range in Sedona. You could see it in my backdrop. It's in the furthest distance there. And it's at uh, about 6,300 feet elevation. And so what ended up happening was um, it's a rock scramble. It's a primitive trail. It's not marked. It's extremely dangerous. And it is extremely challenging physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And we did it. We climbed to the peak. Uh, we made it uh, without any arteries in my right leg. And that was in 2020. I don't want to say that was perhaps the greatest day of my life. Love my that. Wow. And uh, – and then I set uh, a, a mark that I wanted to hike the highest mountain range in Sedona. It's called Mount Wilson. And so about a month ago, um, Mary and I set a, a day to do it together. And she ended up backing out since he had an opportunity to volunteer at a local retreat center, be of service that day. So she did it. And I said, you know what? We'll do it next week. But I want to go out to Mount Wilson. I had never been there. I want to go there. And I want to just assess this mountain range. And I went out there. I really wasn't prepared to, to do it, to go to the top. I wasn't going to, I was just going to get a lay of the land. Just and scoping about, it out. Open it out. And I was about yeah. 30 minutes in and I got a hit on my phone, a message that this woman who I had been following on social media, who had been diagnosed with the same condition as I was being rushed to the hospital um, because her, her right leg, she had, she needed to have her right leg amputated apparently. Wow. And I, I, I went into a spiral, emotional spiral in that moment. First, I got angry. I got angry at her because she chose different choices than I chose. Mm -hmm. And I was not able to inspire her or I was not able to impact her life. And then I, got, I went into sadness because I knew anger was usually it's secondary. I yeah. knew what I really yeah. was, was just sad for her. Yeah. And, then, and then I went into a little bit of fear, like, oh my God, like she could have been me. She could still be me at any time. I, I could, I, my leg could be gone. Yeah. And I decided in that moment, there's no way I'm assessing this trail. I'm, I'm climbing I'm, it. So many emotions flowing through me. Yeah. Like I got to take this, this trail to the peak. I'm going to the highest point in Sedona, 7,300 altitude elevation. And then I realized I don't have my walking sticks, my hiking poles, and I only use them for extreme hikes. And we do some free solo from extreme hikes today. 
And as I had this recall, I glanced to the left as I'm hiking, I'm walking, and this, this wooden stick, this walking pole of such, but it's a branch from a tree, was leaning against a stone. Wow, there, right. you, there it was. And there it was. And I just looked up at God and I said, okay, thank you for giving thank me my Thank you. <laughs> and I grabbed it and I took it and I made it to the summit. I made it to the peak. And I laughed. I cried. I screamed. I yelled. I prayed. I honored the experience. And what I honored the most was that I tapped into my superpowers. Oh, I love it. Another day of learning how strong I really am. Yeah. And we all have the same capacity. We play small in life. We, we sure live in do. lack. Instead of tapping into understanding that. Now, I'm, I'm speaking about, you know, physical superpowers, but there's also the emotional. There's also the things that don't in, in, involve, you know, taking an extreme mountain to the, to the peak. Yeah. But making decisions and choices to exit out of a, out of a marriage that was no longer um, serving my wife or I, that it was harmful. And having the courage to step into that, you know, that took courage. That was another yeah. What I call conquering an Everest. And there's so many other ones out there, but the, the physical ones are easy to, to assess. You know, leaving corporate America was another conquering Everest for me. Exactly. Overcoming those obstacles. Yeah. Overcoming obstacles. And it always means, who can I elevate into? Who am I here to become in this lifetime? And that's how when we overcome our obstacles... That is what we are actually achieving, a more magnificent, more powerful version of ourselves today than we were yesterday. Yeah. And on that, uh, thank you for sharing today, Jay. It's been such an honor to have you here as always. I want you to tell people before we say goodbye, um, how can people find you? You offer a couple of amazing things, a program called Into the Wild and Hike and Heal Experiences where you take people through into the wilderness, into nature, and you guide them through a healing experience. Can you briefly tell us what that looks like and tell us how to find you where people can find sure. you for that? Sure. They could find me at um, healmindbodysoul.com. That's, that's my primary website. And on that website, I have Hike and Heal Experiences. I also have Into the Wild. Hike and Heal Experiences are a three-hour hike and heal. And we, the client or the guest picks a topic. It could be, I right now, Hike and Heal Couples Relationships is my number one <clears throat> booking. It wasn't until COVID hit. Um, my other one that's popular more with women than men is Hike and, hike and Awaken Self-Love Within. Mm. Um, uh, the other one is uh, Healing the Inner Child. Mm. And then Hike and Happiness. And then I do one for addictions, Hike and uh, Addiction uh, Freedom. And then the other mm -hmm. one is... Um, the other one is just on health and wellness, you know, where I focus Beautiful. more on the, you know, nutrition and our relationship with our body and our relationship with food and our relationship with people and toxic people, places and things. And, and so we, we, we go down a rabbit hole and we, we kind of dive into the area in your life where that individual is, is looking or seeking answers, guidance, and some level of inner freedom or inner peace. Beautiful. And in the Into the Wild program is just on, it's the same program, but it's for on average seven hours for two, three or four days. 
Beautiful. We do, we do, so we more intensive. Sleep. It's more intense. We don't sleep in the wilderness. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I want to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, and I, and, and I want to. That's me you taking care of myself. Yes. Yeah, see, you don't have to actually sleep in the wilderness, everybody. No, so no. healmindbodysoul.com. Healmindbodysoul.com, soul everybody. Com. And uh, any other way you could find me is through uh, my passion project today, which is Real Men, Real Talk Live. It is a talk show. Uh, Rachel has been on, I believe we've been together three times. And then we've come into yours, into your podcast as well, Real Men, Real Talk Live. And we just talk about the things that you won't hear in the locker room or the boardroom, but the topics that men and women need and should be talking about, yes. about life and how to change the trajectory of how we see ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, and how we navigate through life's uh, challenges. Beautiful. And that's live on Thursday evenings, mm -hmm. live on Thursday evening. So I highly uh, 6 p.m. PST, correct? Yep. So check out Real Men, Real Talk Live. Check that out on Thursdays if you're not aware of it. Give it a try. Watch the replays of some of their show. Jump in, join in live. Um, there are four co-hosts yep. for Real Men, Real Talk Live. And these are amazing, wonderful men doing wonderful things in the world. So thank you so much, Jay. Always such an honor to have you here. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for sharing this space. It's always such an honor. Be sure to hit that like button. Show us some love out there. Make sure you subscribe and share this out to everyone that you know. Make sure you check out Jay Rothman and his website. We'll list everything below so you can check that out. We'll have the links listed. And check out Real Men, Real Talk Live. Thank you, Jay. I love you so much. I will see love you too. soon. See everybody in the next podcast. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you.